Welcome to the Landmark Church Weekly Podcast. I'm going to ask you to go ahead and stand before we read the Word of God. We're going to pray over something today, and then we're going to read God's Word. But last Sunday was uh, the Sanctity of Life Sunday, and I meant to do this prayer last Sunday, honestly, but with everything happening, um, it just it got away from me. And this week, I've just been in a lot of prayer. Uh, we had uh, our, our bishop and our denomination has been involved this week in Falcon, North Carolina, and in Washington, D.C. with Marches for Life and all that's been happening in that. And so I just wanted to spend time praying. Let me just tell you this before, that we are a church that is pro-life. And I, I mean pro-life. I don't mean just anti-abortion. We're against the killing of babies, but we're also pro-life. That we believe from the womb to the tomb that life matters. And that I think, one, I'll be honest with you, one of the things I feel like the church has done wrong is we want to be against abortion, but then whenever the baby is born or things happen, we just kind of want to say, well, you're on your own now, you can deal with it. The rest of your life, we, we don't really care. We just want to make sure this one thing doesn't happen. And I believe the church is not called just to be anti-abortion. We are called to be pro-life. We are for life. So we're gonna, we, I believe that we are called to stand for life, and we're called to stand for people that are vulnerable, people that can't, can't take care of themselves. We're called to care for the needs of others, and I'll be preaching some about this in a moment, but I just want you to know that we are a church that life matters to us all throughout people's life, and we want to believe this year is the 49th anniversary of Roe versus Wade. My prayer is that there doesn't get to be a 50th, that things are changed before the 50th can get here, that we don't get to celebrate that. That, that the 49, it stops, and that we celebrate life, and that God created life for a reason. Aren't you glad? I'm glad that my parents were pro-life. I don't know about you, amen? I'm here today because my parents were pro-life. I'm, I'm thankful for that, amen? So let's just pray over this. Father, we just thank you right now. Father, I just thank you that, we, that you have called, that you breathe life into people. And Father, you created life for a reason. And Father, we believe that a baby is not just whenever they get to be old enough to become a human. We believe, Father, from conception that life matters. And Father, right now we just speak, we speak wisdom over our officials. But Father, we know even beyond that that you've called our churches to stand in prayer, to stand in the gap, to make a difference, to, to use our voices, to speak up, and to speak up for those that can't speak up for themselves. So, Father, right now, we thank you that you have called us to be pro-life, that we are for life. And, Father, I just pray that you help the church give us wisdom to know what to do to how to help families, that as we talk to them and say, listen, there's other alternatives, help us to also be the same people that offer help and, and, and say, we're going to care for you. We're going to make a difference. May we not just talk it, may we live it. May we be people that mean what we say. And, Father, we thank you. We believe that there is coming an end to the, the, the acts of abortion in our land. We believe there's coming an end to Roe versus Wade and we are praying for our courts to change things and Father we are believing that, that things are going to change but Father I pray use the church to be instruments of your grace and your love and help us not just to talk about it or to, to, to march about it help us to live it every single day where we, we mean what we say and we care about the least of these give us the wisdom to do that in Jesus name we pray amen and amen if you got your Bibles turn to John chapter 13 John chapter 13 and then we're going to look at first John as well John chapter 13 two verses of scripture are you ready to receive the word of the Lord this morning a new commandment I give to you that you love one another 
As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love one for another. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. When I was a kid, we'd sing a little song to this, and that's how I know, I remember the references. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only son, begotten, his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Father, we thank you today for your word. And Father, we thank you that you are calling us to live the transformed life. So Father, as you call us into deeper things this morning, may we leave here knowing what it means to be the people of God. We ask all these things in your name, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people together said, Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I love you, and you may be seated. Before I get into our main text this morning, I want to remind you of where we're at as a church, that God has been calling us this year and reminding us we are called to deeper things. And we're called to go deeper in Him. We're called to know what it means to, to, to go deeper in God. I ran across, across this quote this week from an old proverb that I thought was very interesting. And it says this, shallow waters are noisy, but deep waters are silent. Shallow waters are noisy, but deep waters are silent. If you've ever been to the beach and you've ever gone to the ocean, you understand this concept that the waves crashing happen by the, the, by the beach there. That it, whenever you get so far out, the waves quit crashing in the same way. But at first, when you're up there, I've been able, thankfully, I meant to do the research on this, but I, I know I've been to the Pacific and Atlantic and Indian Ocean and the Mediterranean Sea, and, and I think I've been to almost every body of ocean, seen it, that we, that we have here on planet Earth. And, and, I, and I've been able to go to the North Shore Hawaii, and I've seen waves crash that, I mean, scared you looking at them. I can't imagine being out in them. And I've seen the, just the, way, the big waves and how noisy they are. But if you look out beyond that, it's amazing how calm it is and, and the noisy waters are the shallow ones the, the psalmist said this in psalms 42 it's called the, from the sons of korah and they say this later on they say deep cries out or calls out to deep deep calls out to deep and that sounds really deep okay Here's what I've learned about deep things most of us think deep things are things we just don't understand if we don't understand it it must be deep and just because you don't understand it doesn't mean it's always deep. It just may mean you don't understand it. So deep calls out unto deep. So I, I thought, boy, that sounds good. Let me go preach that. But if I, under, if I preach it, I better know what it means. And so, but if, if you want to know what it means, look at the first verse of 42. It says this, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul longs for water in a dry and thirsty land. The sons of Korah are saying, God, I want more of you. I want more of you in my life. 
life that my soul longs for you as a deer pants for water, as a deer runs for water because they want water. We have, most of you know we got these cats in our backyard that my wife fed and now they're our responsibility and so we've had these cats and you know some of you got cows and you understand this. You go break up the ice in the pond when it gets like this. Well I've had to go break up the ice in a cat dish outside. Actually, I didn't break it up. I just poured more water on top of it, to be honest. I'm... But you know what? Those cats, I don't know where they got their water before, because the truth is I, we give them food twice a day, but I don't give them water that often. But right now, being so cold, the moment you put that water out, the other day used to, whenever they got food, they would run. But now, the other day, we put food down, and all they wanted was the water. They were longing for that water. They were thirsty. And boy, you couldn't, you put food out there, they didn't even, I mean, flinch. They didn't care. They needed the water. And there was something inside of them crying out for water. And listen, I believe that when we come to know God, there is something inside of us deep that cries out for deep. We cry out for more of him. God, I want more of you than anything else. There's something deep inside of me that is telling me this isn't enough. And listen, I don't mean this bad, but if we're not careful, we follow a feeling or we follow the, the, the stuff that we like all the time. And to me, that is the noise. That's the shallowness. If you're just chasing a feeling, if you're just chasing something that, man, I got to have goosebumps all the time that it's not always going to make sense to you and that is noisy that is the shallow but listen when you get out into the deep i believe sometimes it seems like god is silent but an old quote said this the silence of god does not mean the absence of god and i believe when you get out into deep waters it's calm. Sometimes you don't sense everything. Sometimes you don't feel everything. But you know what separates the shallow from the deep is one word, and it's maturity. I believe God is trying to call us to maturity. Because here's what happens as you mature. I understand that God is the same God in the noise as he is in the deep. He's the same God in the shallow as he is in the deep. But only... When I get into the deep, can I experience the things I need to experience? As long as I stay in the shallow, all I've got is the noise. But you know what? The fish are out here. Everything I need are out there. Everything I need for my life are out in the deep. I've got to get out there to it. I've got to launch out into the deep. And if we're not careful, we will stay close to the shore. But God is calling us to allow those deep things inside of us to cry out to the deep where we say, God, I want more of you. I want to be more like you. And we believe that the deep things of God will transform us until we look more like God and act more like God. Amen? Are you with me this morning? So how does that look like in our life? I want to talk to you about these scriptures. Notice what Jesus said, a new commandment. Everybody say commandment. A new commandment I give to you. He didn't say a new suggestion I give to you. We have these things in the Old Testament. They're called the Ten Suggestions. You seen those? No, they're called the Ten Commandments. Here's what I think has happened in our society. We have taken the commandments of God and we act like they're suggestions and we take things in the Bible that are just kind of suggestions and we make them commandments. We take those things that God says, you can do this or, you know, it's not, maybe not a big deal. And boy, we, we major on those minor things. But we take these major things that God is very obvious about and we minor on those things and don't talk about them and we've mixed them up. When, whenever God says a commandment I give you, I don't know about you, my ears are perking up because I know this is something that if I'm going to follow God, I am called to do this. This is a commandment. This is something, if I'm going to obey the voice of God, this is what I am commanded to do. Amen? Two of you love me. Amen. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. This is the new commandment that I give you that you love 
one another, that you love each other. Now listen, we got to talk about the word love for a moment because the word love has been hijacked. I love, I love, you know, desserts. I've given them up. I haven't been eating them as much lately. I love desserts, but one of my favorites is key lime pie. I mean, I love it. The other day, we were going to give up sweets for a while, and so I went up to Charleston's to the drive and got something to go just so I could have a piece of their key lime pie because that graham crust and that key lime pie and that whipped cream on top, man, it'll make me slap your mama kind of good. I'm telling you. Make the tongue slap the roof of your mouth. You understand? Beat your brains out. It's good. And I love, I love, I love football. I love sports. I love all kinds of things. But I love my wife and my sons. How many of you know those better be different? I mean, key lime pie is number one. No, I'm just kidding. But those have got to be different. The word love has been hijacked. So when we say love, what do we mean? I want to give you a quote from Dr. Tony Evans that I love. And here's what he says. I love this quote. Biblical love is the decision to compassionately and righteously seek the well-being of another. Leave that up there for a minute. Biblical Love is the decision. It's a decision. Biblical love is a decision. It's not my feelings. I might listen. There are people that I'm called to love whether I like them or not, whether I like what they do or not. Biblical love is a decision. I am called to make a decision that in this moment, whether you're making me happy or you're making me mad, whether I agree with you or I disagree with you, I am still called to love you. I am called to love you no matter what. And it is a the biblical love is a decision. I am deciding in this moment that I am going to act in love. And not only that, but I will act compassionately and righteously to seek the will of another person. Biblical love is I make the decision that I care more about you than I do about myself. That's hard for us. Biblical love is I care more about you than I do about me getting what I want all the time. That I am going to righteously and compassionately, I am going to, in the right way, love you, and I make that decision. Listen, here's the thing about the Bible. This is why deep things are not fun for everybody, because here's the truth. When you begin to read this thing, it's not always as easy as it sounds. Love your enemies that was said by somebody named Jesus, that they spit on him, and they killed him, they tortured him. Love your enemies? We, that sounds good to us, because we think our enemies are somebody we don't know. What about love the people right around you? Love those that you don't like what they do, and they bother you, and they rub you the wrong way. Don't act like you're so spiritual, you don't know those people in your life. Every single one of us have those kind of people in our life, sandpaper people that rub us the wrong way. But biblical love is making the decision that I am going to love you no matter what, that I choose to operate in love. Why? Because I've been given a commandment. This is the commandment of God. Love one another. And he goes on to say, by this will all men know you are my disciples when you fight on Facebook. By this will men know, all men know you are my disciples when you hate each other because of your political affiliations. By this will all men know you are my disciples when you go to church all the time. doesn't say that. By this will all men know you are my disciples when you read your Bible all the time. doesn't even say that. By this will all men know you're my disciples. Whenever you talk about God, you got bumper stickers and you, you talk about Jesus all the time. That's great. It doesn't say that. Jesus said, there's one way they will know you are my disciples because you have love one for another. 
This is what separates us, that we have love for each other, that we love each other, and we care about each other. And when we begin to understand that, this is what we're called to do. There was a man by the name of Dennis that had, he, had poor, he had planned poorly, and he was heading to out of town, and Dennis was going somewhere, and he realized he had to have a shirt that needed to be dry cleaned, and he, it was not ready. So he remembers across town there was a dry cleaner's, it had a sign up, and it was called One Hour Dry Cleaning. So he goes across town, quick as he can, he gets in there and says, I really need this cleaned within an hour, I've got to go somewhere. And they're so, they said, sorry, we don't do that, it'll be ready next Thursday. And he said, you don't do that, your sign says One Hour Cleaners. And the lady said, oh, I'm sorry, that's just our name, we don't actually do that. You know how many Christians say they're Christians, but they don't actually do that? How many Christians say, I'm a Christian, I'm a disciple of Jesus, but they don't love other people? And I believe the Lord looks at us, do you realize that hell is going to be full of people that went to church every single Sunday? I shouldn't say full, but there'll be people there, let me say it that way. <laughs> there will be people in hell that went to church every single Sunday. And I say that to you in love, I mean it. Because just because you go to church and you go through the religious duties and just because you say you're a Christian does not mean anything. If you don't love one another, if you don't act on this, you can say it all day long, but Jesus said a new commandment. Listen, if you want to go deeper in God, you will begin to look like God and act like God and the life of God will be on the inside of you. And one of the ways, there, there's deeper things, we're going to talk about deeper faith next week, but I want you to know today we are called to a deeper life love we are called to allow the life of christ to flow out of us until we love one another amen amen i knew this wasn't gonna be the biggest amen i need to preach a good amen sermon because the last two have not been they've been tough amen three things about loving one another number one we love because we have been loved we love because we have been loved first john three sixteen says this by this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Keep that up for just a moment. By this we know love, because he, let's look at that first part. He laid down his life for us. How do we know love? Because we've been shown love. How have you been shown love in the person of Jesus Christ? He laid down his life for us. He gave everything for us. That is love. Love is caring. Love is making yourself of no reputation to care about other people. That's what Jesus did. He is Jesus, King of kings and Lord of lords. The Philippians says he made himself of no reputation. He took on the form of a servant. Here he is God, but he takes on the form of a servant. And people are laughing at him, and they're mocking him, and they're saying, you're a nobody, why do you matter? And he kept on right on loving because he cared about us. And we're called to not, listen, sometimes we get caught up in, well, I want to love this person, but what is everybody else going to think about me if I love them? What is everybody going to think about me if I treat them rightly? And listen, we are called to love one another. Why? Because we have been loved. Jesus didn't wait until you were sorry enough to love you. He didn't wait until you say, you know what, if you ask enough forgiveness, I, I might do it. No, he loved you right where you're at in your sin, in your iniquity, in the middle of all of that, Jesus loves us. And we're not called to tell people, well, I'll love you, when you whenever you own up to it. I'll love you whenever you do enough good things. I'll love you when you act nice enough. No, we are called to make the decision to walk in love. Why? Because we have been loved. And because we have been loved, we're called to love. Amen? Number two, and this, let me, I want to qualify this before I say it or after I say it. 
But I believe it starts in the church. And here's what I mean. I don't mean we don't care about other people. I'll get to that in a moment. But listen to what it says. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. How can we say to people out there that we know what love is if we don't get along with the people that we worship with every single week? Here's what's set apart, and I'm not just talking about this church. Nothing's happened that I'm trying to address. That's the thing about preaching this hard. People are like, something must have happened. He had to pull this sermon out to try to address it from the pulpit. That's not true. Just through studying, I'm telling you this. Listen, here's the thing that separated the early church, and the reason people were so attracted to it is because there was diversity. There were people that did not care about each other, and they, and they, and they, they were not allowed to be in relationship and they worshiped together, and they loved each other. When I went to Israel, when I was 18 years old, my dad, he had been there twice before, and when you go to the Sea of Tiberias, you're looking out over the, the sea, also called the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus walks in the water. My dad, um, he, like, he gets up early in the morning. He loves to get up and pray at sunrise and stuff like that. And he, he, the, last, the first two times, he stayed in a place where you could open up the blinds and you could look out and see the Sea of Tiberias. And so he wanted that again if he could, because he wanted to get up and pray and see this beautiful sight, the sun rising over this thing. So we get there, and my dad asks, can I please have this room? And he asked the guide, could you go find out if we can do this? Well, the guide said, yeah, I'll take care of it. We didn't realize what he did to take care of it. We felt terrible. Our guide was a Jewish man by the name of Moshe. And our driver was a Muslim. Don't know his name, but he was Muslim. And the, and the guide was Jewish. These two people in life have nothing to do with each other. We found out that because the, the tour guide wanted to take care of my dad, he literally, we, we had a room that in one room had two beds, and in the other room had a fold-out bed. I slept in the fold-out bed. My dad had his own room in here. It was two separate rooms. We thought we got a suite. We couldn't figure out why, and we found out later it was because these two guys were supposed to stay in these different rooms. They gave it up and stayed in a room with two beds together so that my dad could have what he desired and a jewish man and a muslim man said we'll stay in the room together even though we're not supposed to but because we want to make sure this guy is taken care of listen the reason i'm telling you that is this because you know what most christians would do well there's no way i'm going near that i'm not doing it and listen to me when you begin to understand biblical love it is this idea that I care about you more than I do myself. And the reason the early church astounded people was because there was people of different diversities, different economic statuses, people that were poor and rich that normally would not talk, people from different parts of the country that wouldn't have anything to do with each other. And all of a sudden, people are watching them. They're going to this church together, and they're worshiping, and they're hugging each other, and they're eating together, and they're loving each other. And people outside are saying, what in the world is going on? Why are these people? will like this and somebody says it's because Jesus Jesus got in them and all of a sudden they begin to love each other and you know what now we come to church and the sad thing is we kind of sit by ourselves let's not talk to anybody we're going to do our own thing I don't like the people over there but I'll still go to church and listen if we want the world to be astounded we've got to love each other in here first 
You want the walls of racism and you want the walls of economic statuses to break down? It's got to break down in the church first. We've got to say God loves everybody and we're going to care about anybody, everybody. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you smell like. I don't care what you did last night. We will be a church that loves each other because we are called to radical love and we are going to see the love of God begin to transform lives. But it starts right here. Amen? And then number three, if the worship team will join me. We love people that are different than us. When I was growing up, we had a thing, I would call it tribalism. And it was simply this. If you were part of a certain denomination, you had nothing to do with other groups. We're Pentecostal. We're, if you want to get real technical, we're Arminian, we're Wesleyan, we're spirit-filled. We're not going to have anything to do with churches that aren't like us. They don't believe in those things. They're Calvinist. They're, they don't believe the spirit is moving the ways we do, so we're having nothing to do with them. And the only time we mention them is when we make fun of them by saying, um, we're going to get out early today and we're going to beat the Baptist or the Methodist for chicken today. That was the only time we ever mentioned that. On Thursday, I was sitting at First Baptist here in a room full of Methodists, Charismatic, Pentecostals, Baptists, and we're praying for each other, and we're caring for each other's souls. And, and I, I, I thought, Lord, thank you for breaking down the walls of tribalism. Because I believe we're called to one thing. We're called to the kingdom of God. This is kingdom work. And the kingdom of God is greater than a denominational tag. It's greater than even saying, this is my theology. Listen, there's there's certain things that we will not budge on. I get it. But I promise you, we all agree on those things. That's the difference. As Christians, there are certain things we don't budge on. But there's other things that we come together and we say, you know what? We're going to have church. We don't have to agree on all these things, but we're going to love each other. But I want you to know it doesn't stop there. We're called to love people that are different than us. One of the things about our church that I do love and I appreciate is when people come in, I want everybody to feel welcome. If they walk in here and they know the night before they blew it and they messed up and they still got stuff on their bread and they're still feeling a certain way, I want them to get hugged on and loved on as much as the person that walks in here thinking, I'm good, I've been in church all my life, everything's okay. And listen, there should be no distinction. You know what I respect about people? I don't care how you treat the CEO. I want to know how you treat the janitor when you walk by them. I want to know how you treat the waitress when you leave here in a few minutes. I want to know what kind of tip you give whenever you don't get the service you like. I want to know how you treat people that you think are different than you. How do you treat those that you think are different in your life? And listen, we're called to make a difference. When I was a kid growing up on Sunday nights, it was the time of us just having just all-out Pentecostal services. And most of the time, we'd end up in the altars, and people would be praying for each other, and they'd be playing music in the background. And there are some Sundays, we would stand up there, and we'd be standing by each other looking at the, 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 the people music and we'd sing the song give me that old time religion give me that old time religion give me that old time religion it's good enough for me we have these verses we sing it was good for mama and daddy it was good for Paul and Silas but we had one that was always my favorite and it was this makes me love everybody makes me love everybody 
everybody, makes me love everybody, it's good enough for me. And one of the things the old saints understood, I believe that we've lost, is that if God really changes us, then I begin to love everybody. Not just those that are like me, not just those that believe like me, or look like me, or vote like me, or act like me, but we love everybody, no matter what, we are called to love. And what will separate us is the deepness of God, is that we have been called out into the deep. And we're not going to be a shallow church that only has clicks and loves a few people. We're going out to the deep where we love everybody, we care about everybody, and that we will be a church that reaches the least of these and ministers to them and makes a difference. Amen? We are called to love. This commandment I give you, that you love one another. By this will all men know you are my disciples, that you love and you care for each other. Will you stand up? This podcast is now over. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future messages.